0: Hey there, Scouting Stuff listeners, Scouter Ken here. I wasn't able to sit down with Scouter Colin this week to do any kind of recording. This has been a very busy time for my family especially. We've had a lot going on over the last couple of weeks. But that doesn't mean that I don't have an episode for you today. Justin Dawson, the founder and main operator of Scouting Radio, graciously agreed to allow me to run this episode episode today. So this is a segment that he recorded along with a few other people, notably Colin Walker, who is a historian of the scouting movement. He's author of about 12 different books on scouting, including three on the Siege of Mafking. Uh, Paul Moynihan is another participant. He is a former archivist with the Scout Association in the UK. He was in that role from 1993 to 2008, and he is the author of an official history of scouting. There's also two members of the Thane Rover crew in on this discussion, as well as the good Mr. Dawson himself. The topic of the chat is Baden Powell and some of the various allegations that were made against Baden Powell by uh, supporters of Black Lives Matter. And you may recall from some of the uh, scouting radio episodes over the last couple of weeks that there was there is a statue of Baden Powell overlooking Pool Key in Dorset, in England. That uh, that statue was marked for vandalism. It appeared on a web based list of monuments that were to be defaced or destroyed, um, or removed, however you wanna however you wanna frame that, I guess, um, by protesters during the Outburst of protests that, of course, have been sweeping not only the United States, but many, many countries around the world over the last almost month or so now, I guess. And various allegations against Baden Powell were made by supporters of uh, of these protests and and of the movement behind them. And so Justin and, and Colin and Paul and the Rovers had a lengthy, lengthy chat about those allegations and what you know, whether there's any merit to them. Uh, and you know, if so, what? And if not, then you know, what is the actual truth uh, that is being distorted in the allegation that's being made? Very interesting episode, lot of history, a lot of context about Bain powell and his life and his actions. Well worth a listen to. And uh, this is a topic that Colin and I had been discussing, diving into, and we may still. But again, I wasn't able to sit down with him to record this week. And Justin very graciously allowed me to use this episode, which first aired on Scouting Radio um, back at the end of June. So have a listen. Enjoy. And uh, you know where to send feedback. So thanks for listening. And until next time, be prepared.
1: Guys, thank you very much for joining us, all the attendees. This is a webinar that we have been saying that we're going to do for about a week or two. Having so many things that's happened in in the past week or two with regards to Black Lives Matter. Yes, Black Lives do matter. We're not going to dispute that Black Lives Matter. What we are going to dispute is the allegations that have been made about the founder of Scouts, Robert Baden-Powell. You may have seen in the news, you may have seen on Scouting Radio, we've had several uh, different news pieces from Sky News, BBC News, and, of course, even Chris and Matt, uh, who are Rover Scouts with the Thane Rover Crew. I'm going to let you guys tell the story here, Chris and Matt, because you found out that there was rumours that Baden-Powell's statue was going to be attacked as part of this statue toppling um, and
2: that you guys wanted to do something about it. Take up the story. Yeah, well, well I'll start it off and you can finish. <laughs> um, it started off, really, we were having a Thane crew meeting the night before uh, the statue was to be moved, and we were all having a general chit-chat, Rover. I can't exactly remember what it was, because Matt noticed on the news that they were going to take down the statue, which really took over the meeting, And um, we, we were in despair, really, that they wanted to remove, you know, the founder's statue, you know. So we all had a bit of a, you know, discussion over it, went to bed. And in the morning, it was first thing on the news that I turned on was they're getting ready to remove the statue. And it was like, well, should we go down and say, as the statue is going to be removed, we didn't think we had any, any, power of actually stopping it or we didn't go down for that reason um anyway we messaged ken and i messaged um a a district commissioner and that and said that we were actually just going to pay visit really to to say goodbye to the statue because we had no idea whether it would ever go back we didn't want it removed but we thought that the decision had already been made and it was going and really at the time we would rather have said you know we would rather it be protected than being put in some box somewhere in the council offices and never put back. Mm-hmm. So we decided to, uh, take the road trip. Um, and during the road trip, we, uh, obviously we were listening to the radio and stuff like that. And we thought oh, it sounds like it might be quite busy, but when we got there, um, I drove too far and actually came back and saw that there were no scouts there at all, which was quite a, well, no scouts in uniform anyway, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, We parked up um, and as we walked across from the car park and hit the main road, the entire crowd, which there was quite a lot, all started cheering and clapping us, uh, which wasn't what we were expecting, (laughs) as you can imagine. And we walked over and then all the press Mm -hmm. were there. Um, And it was quite daunting to have so many press literally jumping at you, you telling them to keep away from you for two meters at least yes um, we're the and they all wanted through. to talk to us so why we were there and stuff like that so um do you want to carry yeah, on so, no? yeah
3: well uh, my personal reasons going down wasn't to say goodbye to the statue as you said it's um to be a voice of um independent um rover crews really not necessarily just Thane, but uh, our, our own crew uh, Sir so tasker watkins own because we knew there wouldn't be any representatives there for us so um i wanted to go speak my opinion not to necessarily not be a protester or however some people may call us I just wanted to be a voice of reason saying look if the statue is moved it's better to do it temporarily than see it at the bottom of the harbour because of some other protesters but um, apparently our voices got heard a bit more than we
1: anticipated really yeah, being in just the news and whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> we we have to remind our those listening and the attendees now. Just to give some housekeeping rules, I know I sort of jumped into the webinar. If you want to ask any questions, there's a Q and A box at the bottom of your screen to anyone that's attending. There's also a chat box um, that you can chat to us. Feel free to throw in any questions throughout the program. We're going to be addressing all issues. If we don't address the question listeners we will address it by email at any stage whatsoever online also as well as chris and matt we have colin walker scout historian uh, paul Moynihan, who has it was a scout archivist for the scout association as well and of course myself justin dawson um online Matt Chris, you travelled down from Wales. Like, how long was this distance? How many miles and how, how many hours
2: did it take to, to get there? Uh,
3: well, I think it was 183 miles one way, so quite a lot okay. of both ways. It, it didn't really matter to us, the distance, no. to be honest. All the time, really. But I think it was took about two and a half hours with traffic, really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> no, have We have to tell all our listeners that you guys have become the face of global scouting to to say hold on a minute let's be the voice of reason here why are you t- trying to take out this statue i know there was soldiers there on the day former scouts and residents of of the pool area that all stood and said, including, I think, a 70- or 80-year-old man who said, you can fight me first before taking away this. <laughs> yes, oh, Len, he was a wonderful
3: chap. We were speaking to him about half hour before he started waving his sticks around and saying,
1: let's get through me first. He was a lovely chap. So yeah. when did you know afterwards that now's the time to just, OK, I, we've made our point, we're going to go home? Or did you have any temptation to say, we might stay here until... We hear.
2: (laughs) We actually wondered. We were actually tempted to see if the um, the 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 island was open or not um, to actually nip across. You know, while we were in the area, really. To, but uh, obviously it was still shut. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure if we got a dinghy, we could have gone across. But uh, (laughs) draw the line. Got to draw the line somewhere. (laughs) But we, as as you said, we did. um, Initially, literally, we split up slightly and and we had different pe- members of the paparazzi if you like talking to us the bbc sky local newspapers there was obviously local local people as well were adamant that the statue was not going anywhere um which i can understand why there's millions of people all over the world go to sit with baden powell um to look over to brown sea island and it's like a you remove that statue from there and locals were saying it will never go back. It's quite a landmark on Pool Harbour, really, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. It looks so it overlooks Brownsea Island, the start of you know the beginning of scouting, really.
1: And I think anyone that travels there, any scout group, internationally, they all put their neckers around yeah. the Bin Pal. If they're not going over, if they can't get a boat trip over to Pool that day, at least they've seen some type of statue that represents the foundation of scouting in, in Poole area. We're getting great uh, responses here, listeners. There's people in, in from uh, Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. Uh, I just want to read this out. I'm a scout and also a Boy's Brigade officer in Malaysia. More than a decade ago, I read Colin Walker's article about the Boy's Brigade on the Scouting Milestones page. And I'm really glad to be able to join this webinar and hear him in person. What a lovely comment. I, I think that's a great... Guys, stay on the line with us. I, I think it's a great opportunity to bring in Colin. Hello Colin, how are you? Hello uh, in. Oh, we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> well Colin, I'm going to take, take this up with you then um, as well, that the next step of this was the fact, like why all this was happening was about Black Lives Matter, there was protesters that were toppling statues across England, and then we also found out that a local former politician by the name of Connie Drew was making terrible allegations about what Baden Powell had done in the past. I think I think you can put it really to bed there, Colin,
4: can't you? Well, yes. Um, I've never had the opportunity of meeting Miss Drew, although I've tried to correspond to her, and I know Justin that you've invited her on this program many times. Um, she she's a part of the top of the statue. Stop couple of racist group, uh, and she has appeared on the Jeremy Vine show. Uh, Jeremy Vine asked her what she knew about Baden-Powell, and she said, not a lot. I went on to Google. Uh, and the four basic allegations that she was making, um, let's see, there was uh, racism, um, there was um, homophobia, and there was uh, pro-Nazi and pro mussolini uh, and so I thought to myself, well, if she's got that from the internet, I think I know where, where it will have come from. The top of the statues the top of the racist campaign in their webpage says that they were trying to promote the debate. And Corey Drew on um, Jeremy Vine said the whole purpose was to promote a debate. So as you will know, for several days running uh, on Facebook, I challenged Miss Drew to a debate, and I know you invited her here, and she's not here now um, we, we must make that very clear. we ha- traced
1: up Connie for uh, Mrs. Drew for a, at least a week, offered her on several occasions she's had no response whatsoever to social media to emails. Unfortunately, we don't have a phone number for her, but we've contacted her, her former political party and everything, and we've had no response
4: whatsoever from Connie. So... Uh, it's i just to finish really up there, Justin. It, it's not my purpose. Scouting is a non-political organisation. Exactly. It's not my purpose to personalise this. Our purpose tonight is to examine these these slurs and to give them a factual rebuttal. Now, before we go on, I, I, we, we must mention
1: that um, with the help of T- Tane Rover Crew, you have come out with a document called Robert Bain and Powell. Uh, allegations and truth I have it there in my hands holding it up to camera that will be made available afterwards on the Scouting Radio website as well and for any of the attendees that want to get their hands on a copy of that we can also send it through to you afterwards again if you have any questions you can throw them into the um, into the question and answers box and actually uh, a message from Alan Shivers uh, says to to all panels, uh this is from Tim Kid and Matt Howe Ted said, but it's right that we make time to listen, educate ourselves and reflect on history, acknowledging where there are times when views and actions from the past do not match the values we live by today. It's also right that we do not make accusations or form any conclusions without the facts. These are about the foundations and the open and honest debate about our society, society's past and future. Now I must uh, we'll stop there that's the quote um, and and uh, alan s- says maybe you should, could could help tim and matt by sending some fully referenced material which can be published on the scout association website well you know what they are on their way just they are on their way okay that's, their way. i'm going to i'm going to also bring in our other panels here paul moynan uh, you have been a scout an archivist former sc- archivist of scout Association and uh, written some books I, I I must try and not I don't think that's many books as Colin has written on, on <laughs> the fact <Vancouver> of <laughs> Scouting Paul but you've written some books as well uh, so welcome along to Scouting Radio and uh, tell, tell us a bit about your background as an archivist for Scout Association.
5: Well I, I was the Association's archivist from 1993 through to 2008 um, when I, I I moved on for a variety of reasons uh, but actually one of the one of the last things i did in my capacity as archivist was to, to go down to pool and to un- attend the unveiling of that statue on the quayside. Okay. so i've got a personal interest in that statue remaining there. Mm-hmm. i think i gave a keynote talk later that evening uh, as a result of the statue unveiling to a uh, a large number of people in the pool waterfront museum. Um, So it was quite an achievement to get that statue there in the first place. Took a lot of effort on the part of many, many local people uh, to raise the money and seek the appropriate planning permissions from the council. I was particularly interested to see the number of local people who were vehement in their support of that statue remaining. Mm -hmm. Quite quite remarkable. It obviously touches a nerve there. The local people of
1: Poole appreciate the presence of that statue. Well, and... Where we are now with that statue, for international listeners, is the statue has been boarded up. It's still there. Luckily enough, we don't have to have former soldiers camping out overnight and residents standing by the statue. But it is boarded up. Unfortunately, though, and it hasn't made much. Correct me if I'm wrong. It didn't really make even English uh, media. It didn't make any Irish media, but it made media in Portugal where a local scout group who had a statue of Baden-Powell was beheaded in Portugal about three days to a week afterwards, which we just think is absolutely disgraceful. Now, we want to also tell our listeners that Corona Badges, who uh, supply and Radio with our Scouting Radio badge, they have made a badge on Baden-Powell's statue all proceeds will go towards rebuilding that statue, which was funded by a local scout group in Portugal. Again, we were trying to get our hands on someone to speak from Scouts Association of Portugal. Unfortunately, uh, due to time constraints, we weren't able to get anyone on. Hopefully in the future we will. But this just sells the message that this statue toppling has t- taken a global effect. We had one person uh, send us an email pre this webinar to say, "What's the status of the statues that's at Bainpal House?" Uh, well, I guess in uh, the statues at Pal House and the statues at Gilwell haven't been affected at all. Am I right? As far as I know. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So, it, it it comes down to the fact. Before we even go on and, and talk about the facts and the truth, there are so many statues of Bain and Powell, not just in England, but globally. And these false allegations can have a rippling effect to, to destroy the great image that scouting has globally. We are the largest peace movement in the world. Now, with that in mind, let's get to some of the allegations that were made against Baden-Powell. First of all, Colin, Baden-Powell was a Nazi sympathiser. True
4: or false? Absolutely and <laughs> utterly false, Justine. Um I think Chris Hitchens, uh, as I said, he, he was the originator of that. Uh, and it's it, interesting, the language that, that he was couching. It's Baden-Powell met met a Nazi, high-ranking Nazi. The high-ranking Nazi was Ribbentrop, who was the German ambassador in London, uh, I think between 1937 and 1938. And Bain Powell was a very important man at the time. And, of course, he got invited to all sorts of state functions, as did all the ambassadors. We were not at war with Germany. There there was a lot of tension between the two countries and we were building up to war, but we were not at war. And so at a state function, the ambassadors would be invited and Jay Baden-Powell, the leader of the biggest youth movement in in Britain, would be invited. And there was an occasion where they sat together. Now, afterwards, Ribbentrop wrote Baden-Powell a letter. Now, Ribbentrop was a very cultural man. That's not meant to be an excuse for anything. It's just a fact. And Baden-Powell was a very well-mannered man. In fact, I've got a letter from Baden-Powell written to the the commanding officer of the forces outside outside Mafeking. And at the end of this letter, Baden-Powell writes, I am your most obedient servant, which shows just how polite he was. So Ribbentrop wrote Baden-Powell, a letter, And in it, he said that it would be a good idea if the, the Hitler Youth Movement and the Scout Movement um, were to work closely together. Now, that was never destined for success, because you have to remember that Hitler not only banned scouting in 1935 when he institute, instituted the Hitler Youth, he imprisoned scouters who persisted in carrying on scouting. So it wasn't likely. However, Baden Powell courteously replied to Ribbentrop, and in his reply, which I have seen, he says, "Yes, it would be a good idea for the youth of the world to work together to avoid peace." Now, at that time, everybody in Britain was working to try to to assure that we didn't have a repeat of, of the. Of the first world war. Baden Powell did not categorically arrange meetings. This man, Chris Chris Hitchin, said if it was not for the second second world war intervening, Baden Powell would have gone to gone to see Hitler in Germany. Really? He was 81 years old, sick, gone to hit. Got gone to Kenya on health grounds, and died. he died, when and he he die died in 1941. Mean? He was not going, believe me. He was not. He, he was not going to Germany. You so, really did uh, ask my question there, Colin. When did he go to Kenya? So he was in Kenya at the, that stage. Uh, he when... was in Kenya from 1938. Okay. Yeah. So as and he was a sick man, and he went. He he left public life, and he was basically dying. So. So Christopher Hiddens was wrong on that count, and he was wrong on all counts. I could, I could spend the rest of the program going on about this particular issue, but Baden-Powell did not institute any camps. He didn't enter into any further conversation. He just said it would be a good idea if, if the youth of the world met together to work for world peace. Other than that, he would say repeatedly on any number of occasions, he said, Scouts who camp together are less likely to shoot each other. Well, that's true. That, that, uh, look,
1: and that is very that is that, that's a quote from Baden Powell. Did he um Baden Powell liked reading Hitler's book of Mein Camp? True or
4: false? Yes. Yeah, well Paul that Paul is the person to asked this question because he's got, he's got he's got Yes, Paul, really-
1: please come in here and tell us about <laughs>
4: Be delighted.
1: Well,
5: Baden-Powell did read Mein Kampf. Yes, he had his own copy. Um, But if you look at, in in his own diary, on the 6th of October, I think it is 1939, so 1939, note the date, uh, and he's living in Kenya, laid up all day, he writes, read Mein Kampf, a wonderful book with good ideas on education, health propaganda and organisation, etc. But then, so, so you could take that sentence out of context and think, oh yes, Baden-Powell likes Hitler. But Bepe continues in his diary and writes, and ideals which Hitler himself does not practice.
4: Exactly. So I think you have to look at the motivation of the people that have cut halfway through a sentence and admitted the last part of the sentence. Yeah. Why would they do that? They did that in order to pick the bit which somebody would latch on and think, "Yes, yeah, there's the evidence we're looking for without writing down the qualifying clause, which is a part of the same sentence that says, yeah, Hitler might have written all this, but he's no intention whatsoever. Yeah. I mean... There so we I'm are. With,
1: I just got an email in, and one that we have addressed before on Scouting Radio. It's like, and it's a, it's a genuine question, Vic. And thank you to this listener for sending it in. Which was, why do I see a lot of Nazi uh, symbology with Scouting? And of course, the, it's not actually the Nazi swastika because it's the
4: swastika was the good luck symbol turned re- or reversed. So, right. so right. even this day in. in in India and I've been not too long ago uh, it seems that nearly every vehicle has got a swasti which was the word swastika was taken from which was the the good look the good look symbol from one one of the Indian gods and this good look symbol was prevalent worldwide right up until the 30s and and um, Bain Powell had a good friend Rudyard Kipling and Rudyard Kipling was brought up in India. And in Rudyard Kipling's book, you will find much use of the international good luck sign, the swastika. So Baden-Powell adopted this. And in scouting, we had a medal of merit with a swastika. And we had thanks badges in, in brass and in silver in gold that individual scouts or scout groups could give to people who would help them. This was up till 1935 when Hitler instituted a, comp- com- a competition to design the badge for the Nazi, Nazi Socialist Party. And the dentist uh, won this, and it was the swastika. But Hitler called it the forward-facing wheel of prosperity. And at that time, the Scouts Association rescinded these things and said, Scouts who have been, or Scouters who have been awarded these things could send them back. And the Medal of Merit was replaced by a single Scout salute uh, and so uh yes along with the rest of the world um i've got a good collection of postcards and all sorts of other ephemera where the swastika pre-1935 was an international good luck symbol it's found in most ancient cultures in their designs in mosaics it's found on a bishop's cope in winchester it was it was even on coca-cola bottles as a good luck symbol yeah on coca-cola bottles uh, but once once hey, baden Powell had got wind that it was being used as a, as the symbol of Nazism, then it was replaced in all cases in scouting.
5: ASAP.
1: Now,
4: now, I must actually remind our listeners
1: that why do we have this type of panel on? Why do we have Colin and Paul on? Well, Colin, Paul, Paul has had the books as an archivist, but you are the only person that we can say, we know of that has actually transcribed all of Baden Powell's stories and has has it on the computer that he's talking to us at the moment, listeners. So if you have any questions whatsoever about Baden Powell, the Q and A box is open in this webinar, and also if we don't address the question, you can email Scouting Radio at scoutingradio.com, dot com. We'll put you in touch with Colin, no problem at all. We have this allegations and truth documents that we will send to anyone or if you have any further questions about scouting. Rover scouting is, of course, Colin's favourite subject as well. (laughs) And, of course, Colin, let's, let's just dive into that a bit when we talk about rover scouts because we have several rover scouts in this meeting today. Rover scouts was founded during the war times as well.
4: Not not quite. (laughs) Not quite. I'm told Justin. Rover Scouting scouting was, was, it would be true to say that Rover Scouting was founded because of war. Okay. Because the Scouts who joined the Scout movement in 1908 were old enough to volunteer in 1914. Mm -hmm. So lots of people who had had several years of service as a Scout went to the front. Unfortunately, about a third of them didn't return. A third of Brownsea boys and a third of the Humshoff boys did not return. But when they were due to return, it was quite obvious that the scout movement, who hadn't got anything in place for older boys, had got to do something. So it was decided that they would start an organisation for older boys returning from the front. I mean, the word boys is ridiculous. These men, men they were, had been up to their neck in blood and guts, hadn't they? Mm -hmm. So... The, the the hierarchy of the scout association decided it'd be a good idea to form a senior section called Senior Scouts. The men who returned said we are not senior anything and we want to be called rovers and they got the way. And the the motto of the mo, of the rovers was service. But if I can just just elaborate on what you were very kindly saying about me earlier because I, I think it is pertinent. I have transcribed, and the only person so to be allowed by the Boy Scouts of America because they have Baden Powell's Lifetime's Diaries. Of course, Transcribe his, I have transcribed his diaries. I've transcribed every known letter, and there are hundreds. I have um, read all of his books, and the purpose of saying this to you, Justin, is despite the oft-said thing that Baden-Powell was a, a man of his time and, and therefore some of the evils that, that was norms in society at that time were bound to be visited on him, he, Baden-Powell, wrote as many books as Dickens. He wrote more articles than Dickens. And I have had the pleasure of reading most of them. And I can honestly say, and on heart, you show me a passage where Baden-Powell is being openly racist, openly pro-Hitler, openly pro Mussolini, openly homophobic, but we will come on to that one in a minute yes. because there, there is a document we want to talk about, uh, and I it will be something new to me. So that's, you, that's the challenge. The, the second half of his life from 1908, he put into practice principles of equality and inclusivity, and in his very first camp on Brownsley that we were talking about just a few moments ago, across the waters from Paul, what did he do? He had a great social experiment that no other Victorian Edwardian had ever held. He got together the children from millionaires, from lords, and from what he called normal town boys, and he wrote... I mixed them up like plums in a pudding. They slept in the same tents. This was equality. This is what the people who want to see justice in the world, this is what they want to see, inclusivity and equality. And here you have a man who's been doing this since 1908, who's, who's being hoisted on a petard of, of what the whole British Empire is guilty of. We don't deny it, it's there, it's not something always that we can be proud of, but it cannot be visited on the shoulders of one man who can be made accountable for the sins of empire. When we look at his record, show me anything since nineteen oh seven, where Baden Powell is trying to lead young people astray, not a bit of it. I think I think later on we'll come into some more positive things that he actually did stand for. Well, (laughs) this is the allegation, and the allegations come on
1: both levels. I'm going to address the the one that has been made many years ago, and I think Paul will probably have a lot to say about this as well as a scout archivist. Ben Powell was a repressed homosexual, and that came out way back when his biography came out. Uh, Paul, I'm going to bring you in first. Truth of fiction. Fiction. Complete and utter. Um,
5: the the Powell's biographer Tim Geel, uh, a nice guy, Tim. I I, I know Tim. I, I think misinterpreted certain bits, certain documents, certain things that have happened in the late nineteen twenties. BP is then about seventy. He suffered a ser- he had a series of dreams. And uh, he was advised to keep a note of these dreams, which he duly did. And these were subsequently analysed by a a psychiatrist, who from that diagnosed that he was a repressed homosexual.
4: Okay, if I could come in there just, this 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 psychiatrist was a Harley Street doctor. Psychiatry hadn't really been invented. The leader of psychiatry was Sigmund Freud. Freudian (laughs) psychoanalysis was based on the presumption that everything is sexually motivated, and it's now largely discredited. However, the people who formulated these allegations haven't gone that deep. They're just referring to a document that Baden-Powell wrote in the late 20s, which simply explain the reasons why homosexuals could not be allowed to be scouters. And Miss Drew quotes that as evidence of his homophobia. She apparently doesn't know the laws of the land. Because in 1920, it was illegal. It was I think, illegal. I think that act was not repealed until 1968, Paul? Yes, thereabouts. Yeah, yes. thereabouts. So it's just, we don't need to spend time on arguing that. It was against the law. Let can you know, I, can yeah. I come to the end, Colin, to, to complete my side
5: of the story uh, of the evidence against BP being a repressed homosexual? During my time as archivist, uh, a lady came to see me who I'd never met before, and she was a fairly eminent uh, an expert in graphology, the study of people's handwriting. And she was trying to make a studies of the handwriting of various famous people. And she latched onto an idea of doing a study of BP's handwriting. She came to see me. Uh, it was clear from having chatted with her, she had no preconceived notions about the background of the man. So she spent a day with me studying pieces of his handwriting and uh measuring and making notes and all sorts of clever things and several weeks later sent me a seven page document which was a sort of a psychiatric profile of the man built up as a, on the basis of the first study of his handwriting seven pages of it it's still in the association's archives and she w- without even prompting her to make any reference to this she says in this document quite clearly this man is heterosexual
1: right okay that like that that that's just fascinating just looking at someone's handwriting and 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 and, and stunning it we're getting getting some great questions in here hello to amma wiley i I hope i'm pronouncing your surname correct there, Amber. Greetings from Ben Paul Scouts in the US. Outside of specifics about BP and specific individuals, what can you say about <laughs> his position in the larger systems of his time, imperialism, colonialism, segregation, and the lasting impact of these? Also, why did it take so long between his passing and erection of the statue in Poole? Well, let's, let's address the, the last question. Why did it take so long for uh, the erection of a statue in Poole? I I guess it was just 2008, uh, Paul. It was was to mark the centenary. It was to mark the centenary. Of course, uh,
5: there have been, uh, from much earlier than that, a statue of BP on Brownsea Island itself. Mm -hmm. And there's been the very large granite statue of him outside Bacon House in London. There was nothing actually in Poole. Um, and the local scout uh, authorities in pool thought let's make let's try and raise some money uh, erect a
4: statue to mark the centenary of scouting um, well, I think I think just in the the, the scout association uh, some people would say quite rightly have always tried to concentrate their spending on providing a program for the youngsters of that day yes. uh, and, and statues came perhaps, fair way down the the kicking order, um, such that, as we've heard, the statue in Paul was mainly the work of one Scouter but contributed by the whole community. But if if our listener there is using the word statue uh, as a means of saying, well, um, why did it take so long for Baden-Powell's fame to result in something uh, of, of note, some form of commemoration? I'd just like to throw in the fact that Perhaps Baden-Powell, other than royals of whatever nation, is the most featured man on the postage stamps of the world. So perhaps he, he wasn't marked always in, in, in a piece of rock, but his fame, uh, you'll, find, you'll find it in, in every stamp album in the world because it, every country has stamps of Baden-Powell.
1: Well, Colin, I think this is a a topic for another show where I'm going to ask you to go off and research how many different uh, name signs, streets, roads across the world are known as Baden-Powell Street and Baden-Powell Way or something related to Baden-Powell. Continue continue on. There's even a couple of schools. (laughs) A couple of schools, of course. I I forgot about that, Paul. There is. There is. Amber says, in the US, it's very clear, for example, in the South that statues of civil war leaders of the South pro-slavery were erected 50 plus years after the Civil War very clearly to defend the values of lists. that's a hard word to say, and to keep black people in that place. What drove the erection of the statue of BP 67 years after his death? Well, we I think we've addressed that. It, it was made uh, for the centenary year of scouting. Okay, we're not going to go into the question of 2007 or 2008 tonight, Colin. That's a, that's a matter for an, another day. And um, Living in North Yorkshire, where the BP bust at Catterick, have any others in the UK become a focus in the same way as the brown sea one? Well, we we addressed that earlier. The uh, that comes in from Stuart. Um, we addressed that earlier. That there's a statue that's destroyed, Stuart, in in Portugal. After all uh, these these issues that's happened down at brown sea Now I'm I'm going to go around um, the the panel here and. One of the things that came up, Chris and Matt, was the fact of, OK, well, if we remove it, why don't we just put We You find out within those 24 hours of being down at Poole and and at Browns or at, at Poole Dorset and um, at BP Statue, that there was empty buildings and some local councillors were saying, OK, well, the the empty buildings could be made a museum. Could that be an option for the future? Like, we, I know um, that there's always been talks on the horizon. Even Paul probably will say it's a, been a long time coming. Request to make a museum at Gilwell. What what pill be a better place to have a museum?
5: Well, there there will certainly um, in uh, certainly up to two thousand eight. I'm not quite sure how much past two thousand eight. There was a museum called the, the the Waterfront Museum in Poole, okay. A whole floor was given over to scouting and its history. I think that museum has closed, um, probably for financial reasons. You know, cutbacks one way or the other in during the austerity times we've all gone through. Um, I I wouldn't be keen on that statue going back into a museum. Museum means running costs. Yes. At the moment in time, I don't think the good burgers, the good folk of Poole can afford to run a museum.
4: Mm-hmm. That is, it's interesting, interesting, just in the self-same museum that Paul is talking about for at least two years held Jam Roll. Jam Roll was in the pool. Okay. Baden-Powell's, Baden-Powell's iconic Rolls-Royce was in that museum for a period of time.
1: I, I I I think it's just a, a matter of fact that um, we you get so many tourists to Pool, so many scout groups to Pool. Is there a room for um, is there a room for a museum? Or as as Paul mentions, the running costs. Chris, Matt, would you like to see a museum in in Pool?
2: Yeah, I, I think so because there'd be quite a lot of people go down there, and I know there's several scout groups around Pool as well. Um, One of the things I'll just take up on was um, you said about moving the statue. All the locals that were there, not one of them wanted that statue moved because they said if it's moved, it'll never go back. Mm -hmm. Um, We didn't want to see it move, but I didn't want to see a bunch of idiots trying to throw it into the sea either. Um, So it was quite like I, I was asked about what would I do? And I said, well, I can't tell you what I would do, but the council are in a very difficult position because you've got, you either, the, the, you know, if they don't move it, some idiot could, could drag it into the, into the harbour. Um, but if they do move it to keep it safe, the locals didn't like it. So they were, you know, it's quite understandable for them. There's a very difficult position, but I think they made the right choice by boxing it. But I think, you know, at some stage that's all, all got to come, come off. And, uh, I'm sure they'll have a mad influx of people going to see it again. Well, and that, that actually brought up one of the questions <laughs> someone has just thrown oh, up. <laughs> when
4: are they going to unbox this? We, we haven't been told that, no. So, no. Well, uh, there are two options, aren't there? It's either unboxed or it's moved. Uh, and I suspect that when either of those happens, uh, there'll be another wave of interest um, by, by the media. But going back to your your question about museums, I've been very fortunate enough in my scouting life to have traveled extensively and given scouting talks all over the world. Uh, As we know, our country is very fortunate to be the home of scouting. There are numerous countries in the world that I've visited with populations of less than 6 million that have more than one scout museum. I know it's been the cherished ambition of a lot of people in scouting that we should have what, in today's language, is a heritage centre. And there are plans well afoot uh, to have a heritage centre in Gilwell Park, but we're now in a diff- very different landscape. Yes. I, I would say that any proposals to have a scouting museum anywhere should be investigated and costed. If, if If a council are offering a building, then that means that's a lot, lot less money than trying to build one. Uh, Maybe it could be a temporary structure until the the Scouting Heritage Centre is is, uh, built at Gilwell Park. Um, But we have gone now, uh, since, since 1907 at Brownsea Island, we've gone a lot of years without a proper Scouting Museum. And every other country in the world, nearly very tiny little countries, have got Scout Museums. We have got an excellent Scout Museum in this country. Run by an enthusiast up in Lancashire, which shows what can be done if there is a will. Yes, is that independently run, Colin? It is indeed. Yes, well, Michael, right, yes. Michael Looms the Wadikar Scout Museum. If our listeners haven't been, it is a place to go. Peter, find it on the internet.
1: Peter Millward uh, sent in. Uh, we were just commenting earlier about the Ben Powell Scout, Ben Powell. Street in Nottingham. Thank you for that, uh, Peter. Um, and he also asked, is there a museum of any sort in Poole, yet alone the BP one? Well, we just, uh, we mentioned that there was one at one stage. Uh, Paul, you, you think it might not still be there? I don't think it is there. However, back in the
5: 1990s, during my time as archivist, uh, we, there were some quite serious plans and discussions to establish a National Scout Museum in Poole. But for various reasons, which I can't go into at the moment, uh, the, deci- the decision of the association was changed because the association wanted to do its own thing at Gilwell.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, now, we're going to just address the last, sorry, two or three um, allegations Um uh, we we sort of did address the the mafeking and the Boer War one column, uh, but Ben Pal was a fascist because he supported Mussolini. Did he support Mussolini?
4: Not. Well, you perhaps hear, be surprised to hear me say yes. He, yes, he did support Mussolini. Okay, no, no, no <laughs> don't don't <ruin> the program. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's all a question of when and for how long. Ben Pal, like a lot of people in this country thought Mussolini had rescued his country from communism and BP was violently opposed, I say violently, he wasn't a man of violence although he was a soldier I suppose, he was definitely against communism and so BP thought like a lot of people that Mussolini had rescued uh, his country from communism and then later on uh, Mussolini absorbed the Boy Scouts of Italy into a new movement that he set up, a new youth movement called the Balia. Uh, and Bain Powell was misled into thinking that this was run along the principles of scouting. Bo- both the Hitler Youth uh, and and the Mus- uh, the Balia were travesties of scouting, but Bain Powell didn't know this at the time. Uh, and he was further it, it was further interested in Mussolini because Mussolini put the Balia into schools and made it part of the curriculum, which happens today in Thailand and, and several other countries. Yeah. Um, however, when Baden-Powell found out that it was nothing more than the fascist youth organization, he dropped it like a verbal hot brick. And the proof of that is contained in a letter, which I have where, where um, the second, I think it was Peace Cruise, because Baines Powell and his wife set up a series of three peace cruises in the 1930s where they were given a ship by the White Star Line, packed it full of scouters and guiders and went off to various parts of the world in the cruise ship, calling at each place. And the job was to promote peace, which they did excellently. Now, uh, the the cruise of the Calgaric was due to tour the Mediterranean. The plans were that it would call at Italy. It got as far as Nice, which is only about 10 miles from Italy. It traveled down the coastline of Italy. It never called, but the original plans were that it should. The letter says, we are not going to Italy. Bain Powell does not agree with fascism and he isn't going to support it in any which way. So yes, yes, he did initially, but the whole thing that's happening in this travesty that's going on seems to be the belief that you can take a view that a man had for six months or a year and, and call that his lifetime's vision against what he actually achieved in his life. Yes, he was fascinated by Mussolini for a, a couple of years until he, until he had demonstrated to him that it was a fascist youth movement. And from then on, it was dropped like a hot brick. There was
1: no slavery or any t- connections of slavery
4: during the Boer War, whether there, Colin? The Boer War was, was I think, sh- should be context by the fact that it was fought against the Boers. And okay. the Boers were a group of people from Lowland, Germany, and, and Holland. They arrived in South Africa much the same time as they we did, They did not ban slavery like we did. And one of the reasons why they went on the great trek was to get away from British jurisdiction in Cape Town so that they could carry on doing what what they liked doing. So their treatment of the blacks during, during the Boer War was different to that of. Uh, of baden Powell baden Powell worked with a local tribe that was called the Baralong. He had good relations with them. At the end of the Boer War, he actually got a, a presentation from them. There was actually a very interesting young man called Sol Plyke, who was one of the only black people ever to make a diary of what happened in the siege of Mapuche. Sold Pike's diary, you can find on the internet, you might have to pay about a tenner for it. But it's written by a black man, a member of the Barrelong Long Time, and one of very high standing, because he actually became the first secretary of the ANC. He was a court uh, interpreter, uh, okay. and he was uh, some, somewhat of a fan of Baden-Powell's. Uh, and in his diary, he recounts a situation which has been used at various times in the last hundred years, to have a go at Baden-Powell. Baden-Powell, the siege was a siege, and the purpose of the Boers was to starve the, starve the British out, and they, they were doing that quite nicely. There was starvation, until the Scotsman said, in the very north of Scotland, we boil the husks of oats, and we've got plenty of those because we used to have horses before we killed them, so we've got these husks remaining. And you know what? If you boil them th- for three days, you can make porridge out of them. So Baden-Powell yeah. set up these, these kitchens and distribution points to give everybody in Maffeking a quart of sown a day, and that's how they managed to survive the 217-day siege. However, that was for all the black people in Maffeking at the start of the siege. The Boers, who were trying to starve us out, hit on a cunning plan, and that plan was to drive the itinerant peoples who lived on the edge of the Kalahari Desert, into Maffeking on a promise of food. The whole purpose was that these natives would strain on our ability to feed them and bring an end to the siege. baden Powell frankly, could not feed them. He was struggling to feed all the people that was there at start. So by use of a heliograph, he contacted his senior officer of, of his frontier forces outside mapaking using a heliograph and arranged to set up a dump, a food dump, and escort these unfortunate uh, uh, unfortunate latecomers into Ma- Mafeking refugees were going to be escorted out of Mafeking at night. He warned the leader of the Boers, I think it was Cronje at that time, it might have been Stephen because they were at different times in the siege, and said, these people have had no part in hostilities. Please stand clear because we're going to escort these people out at night. Sol Plyke, who we've just talked about, was one of the people in charge of this mission, and he writes about it in his book. So this isn't Colin Walker talking, this is a black man Sol Plyke talking. Right. The Boers, having been made aware of what was happening by Baden-Powell, who was trying to ensure that they got to the food peacefully, fired on the line. They were distributed across the in the w- in in the four corners of the wind i think Sol like was a very colorful writer wrote i have n- i have read every book there is to read on the siege of Mafeking. i've written three books on the siege of Mafeking. Yes, i have indeed. never found any criticism whatsoever justin of the boar's action in firing on these poor unfortunate people but plenty of criticism that baden powell drove him out of Mafeking so that he could feed his old so- own soldiers if Baden Powell had had capsized, if Baden Powell had surrendered, the Boers are on record of saying that they would make the streets of Mafeking run red with blood. A direct quote. And their treatment of treating native peoples was was barbaric. So there is there is the facts, there's the justification. Well, let's out. Our listeners make their own mind up whether Baden-Powell was right or wrong.
2: We're
1: just coming up to the hour mark of of this webinar. And as we said, listeners, if there's anything that we haven't covered, we are happy to address it with Colin Walker. And I'm sure Paul will, will have an open invitation if he can help out in any way. What's next, guys? Um, okay, we know that the statue is boarded up. What I'm going to first bring it to Chris and Matt. What would you like to see happen next, Chris? Matt? I think... Well, it'd be nice to see it
3: unveiled in the near future once again. But um, until everything's calmed I think calm down with the Black Lives Matter, I think it's best to leave it boarded up for the moment for its own protection. But I think there should be one hell of a celebration when it's unboarded. Yeah. <laughs>
2: We might take another road trip on that day. I think so. COVID nineteen has
1: passed by at that stage and and we can't I do I do admire that that some some of the residents in the area did have a face mask on Baden Powell uh, over those twenty four hours as well to give him protection of social distancing as well. (laughs) What would you like to see happen next, Paul?
5: I'd like to see the statue unboarded when things calm down. I don't share Colin's view. I, I think depending on the moment they choose to do it, the media may not notice. The media will have moved on to some other great calamity.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, so I like well, think so. Um, we, we, we addressed the, addressed the museum ends of teens. and... Um, do you think any other areas are in danger of being destroyed since we mentioned streets and um, we mentioned that there's schools and other statues around the globe? Do you think this is going to do you think, think things are going to calm down with this Black Lives Matter? It is important. We'll address it. It is important, but we don't want teens taken out of context, and we've addressed for the past 15 minutes why Bain and Powell has no connections with fascism, racism, homophobia. What
4: I, what I would like to see, Justin, what I would like to see is um, the Thane Rover crew and myself have tried to... We've tried to show the, the factual arguments. Um, Bain and Powell was a man of his time. Uh, the sins of the British Empire are transparent now. Um, You can't go around accusing people of things without facts and then the the truth contradicts them. So that's what we've done. We've also examined the motives of some of the people that have been responsible. We can do no more. Now it's time to move on. The people of of Scouting is in every country in the world except for a very few former communist countries. Uh, and its track record is absolutely phenomenal. I think we've got somewhere in the region of 500 million people have come in, under the influence of scouting. The fourth scout law written by Baden-Powell, a scout is a brother to every other scout, no matter what country, class or creed you know, they may belong. Those young people have, have lived their lives uh, to, try, to try and attain the standards that Baden-Powell set. This, this is surely a good thing these slurs and allegations are undermining the work that can be done if they're accepted but what i think has to happen now is the scouts of the world have to show by their actions that they that they through believing in baden powell's message can transform the world by inclusivity we look in britain we look at muslim scout troops we look in Uh, Paul had an example of how in the troubles, Catholic and Protestant children in scout groups work together. All over the world, you'll find examples of of inclusivity of all classes, all sexes in modern day scouting, which show the lie to the allegations. Now, this is the living proof of Baden-Powell's legacy. Not going back into the long distance past, and raking up half truths and downright lies to undermine the work of the world's biggest peace organization. That's right. And some some
1: may say, well, is was it been been Powell's footsteps that other people have made changes to the scout laws and whatever? Well, Ben Powell used to say, and I I I quote always this when there's changes in scouting in the past hundred and how many years now? 110, 15 years? Sorry, I can't count anymore. It's got not out the night. But, it's a movement because it keeps moving forward. That was one okay. of Ben Powell's quotes. And, um, just have to remind our listeners paul Moynihan, former archivist of the scout association from 1993 to 2008 and author of the official history of scouting i have a personal question for you paul um sort of (laughs) non-related to the subject as a scout archivist because it's the first time we've actually had you on scouting radio as the former scout archivist for uh scout association you've probably toured the world as well maybe not as much as colin but have you ever got, seen something that has been owned either in private ownership or by another sc- scout association globally and said to yourself, why isn't this in the archives at Gilwell? Is that, if you could name one thing, what would it be? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um...
5: <sighs> no, I don't think I have, actually. Uh, I've admired a lot of things. There there are some great American collectors. Uh, One who I will name, died fairly recently, Ken Kittleberger, had the most superb collection of Baden-Powell memorabilia. Um, uh, About 20 odd years ago, um, I was involved in trying to, uh, 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 with a company, wanting to manufacture uh, a sort of toby-jug image of be- Baden-Powell. And, mm-hmm. and I to—I was in contact with the then-Lord Baden-Powell um, uh, about this seeking family support and approval, which he, he and the family kindly gave. And as a, to cut a long story short, over result of those conversations with Lord Robert, BP, he then sent me, he said, I, I'm needing to slim down. I, I need to slim down all this stuff that I've got at home. I will send you some, some stuff for the collection. And this large box arrived one afternoon at Gilwell addressed to me. And the more I dug down to this box, the better and better it got until I got to the very bottom of this box and found a blue cloth bag with BP's initials sewn onto them, and inside that bag was a his silver wolf, wow, b his bronze wolf, i.e. bronze wolf number one, mm-hmm. and c his wood badge beads. And so, I said at the mo- I said at that moment there was, a, I said, there's nothing more important out there than this.
1: And, and and that's now in Gilwell, those That's now a
5: Gilwell. It's now absolutely. a Gilwell. Yeah. What, go- I, what I would like to find, but I don't think it exists, the association possesses about one third of the original manuscript of Scouting for Boys. Whatever happened to the remaining two thirds of that manuscript, I'd love to know.
1: Wow. Yeah, yeah, and and maybe that is in private ownership. Actually, I, the one one that I've I've asked Colin about in previous shows is there was someone that was trying to sell baden Powell's hat on eBay, and it was going for a phenomenal <laughs> amount of money. Truth or fiction on that, Paul?
4: Was that the real hat of baden Powell? Do you think that was that was a hat that baden Powell a, a a Stetson, American cowboy? Uh, American maker of cowboy hats, John Stetson, I think his name was, uh, who was franchised to be able to make the very hat that Baden-Powell wore, which was the Boss of the Plains hat, Boss of the Plains BP. But that hat with with the mark on the hat band saying Baden-Powell was franchised and on sale in, in uh, not Harrods, the other big store. But I'd just like to say about, about the, the collecting of artefacts, because well, you know, Justin, I'm a great collector. And a well, private collector as and, well. And I have lots of Baden-Powell's letters and some very, very nice things as to other friends of mine. Um, I'd just like to say this. They are worth nothing mm. unless they are used to promote the image of scouting and Baden-Powell worldwide. I, as you know, have written three books on scouting collectibles where my collection and that of other people are featured. These things have got lessons they can teach us. If they're objects that don't see the light of day in, in some sort of archive, no lessons are being learned from them. Nobody is being inspired. You'll know my motto, Justin. Mm. Scout history is inspirational. Let's use it to inspire and
1: what we have done some people in the past week asking where can they find more of colin's materials colin is a scout historian author of 12 books on scouting including three on the sea which he mentioned earlier member of the thane rover crew and lord baden powell's own and um, and we can find all the history we host colin's old scouting milestones website on the scouting radio website we are, and you can get that straight by going to history.scoutingradio.com. It will bring you right into that. All the articles that Colin wrote um, going back to, I think, 2005 or 2004, you you started writing them, Colin. Yes. Um, it's all archived on our website. It's going nowhere. It's free of charge to enter and, and look at all those things. Uh, some of our listeners have said, can you update some of that material? In time, Colin is more writing the books and getting the books out there for people that don't want to read it online to make hard copies. And as the information has unveiled further and further in the past 15 years that I've known Colin and what a great man Colin is to to have published all this information. He doesn't. I don't know. How, we brought it up several times on the program. I don't know how his wife puts up with him when, when he <laughs> when, when 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 it comes to these type of things. Like um, my wife Jen actually said that Colin has someone has just ruffled Colin's feathers, and rightly so. They did ruffle Colin's feathers. But you can't, you can't for any type of historian who has studied this type of in depth information. On the founder of scouting or in in their subject field like by god colin i'll say it now if the open university could give phds on a doctorate on on archive business and knowing about scout history there's no better man than colin walker to to have the information i really sell that there um paul i, I think you must have helped colin to out getting a lot of information to his time yeah. as well and yeah, it has been great for guys I'm gonna one, one last comment just by Bill sorry Brian Billington not a question just further information anyone interested in Michael Loom's museum at Wadacar Scout Camp which Colin mentioned can be found details if they search Story of Scouting Museum highly recommended uh, just, highly highly recommended yeah. guys we're going to leave it there Colin Walker thank you so much as always for being part of this program I think we've addressed so many uh, allegations and made fact of this we could keep this show going for hours on end but we have the document, it's a PDF that's signed by Paul, it's signed by Colin it's signed by the team Rover Crew Chris and Matt, thank you so much for what you guys did, awesome. going down and making a statement travelling the length and breadth of um, yeah, yeah. to go down and, and make make a difference and been seen around the globe hopefully, as we mentioned if you want to support getting the statue of BP uh, repaired in Portugal, Karuna badges, we will have the link on the Scouting Radio website. All the proceeds are going and you can make donations uh, towards getting this statue repaired. Once we see that repaired, I think that's going to be a statement as well. I think that's yeah. that's my But for those who have joined us, they, they, there's over 30 people uh, in attendees and For people that will listen to this programme afterwards, if you have any questions whatsoever on Bain and Powell and the history of scouting, please contact us at Scouting Major. We'll pass it on to Colin and we'll pass it on to Paul. But we'll leave it there, guys, and thank you so much for, for what you've done.